Welcome to the Raw Talk Podcast, where we bring you unfiltered conversations about life, work, and everything that matters. I'm your host, Melissa, known for my loud voice and passion for spreading the word of connection, love, and support to all. On this podcast, we feature guests from all walks of life who share their stories and wisdom with us all. Whether you're looking for inspiration, motivation, or just some honest insight, you're in the right place. Each episode is designed to be short and efficient, giving you the perfect opportunity to take a break from your busy day and learn something new. So sit back, relax, and get ready for some raw talk with me. I'm super excited you're here. All right. All right, everyone. Hey, thank you for listening to Raw Talk. We have a special guest, Octavio, you know, writer, producer, lawyer. Um, we're so happy to have you. He is the owner and founder and CEO of Kensho Pictures. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I know it's a, it's a bit complicated, like a lot of titles there, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about each and one of them. <laughs> Honestly, we're, I'm so excited to have you. This has been, your profile is such a vibe. And when I was, you know, reaching out to people, I was so excited when you responded and you were keen because your story is interesting, but you know, when I was thinking about stuff, what we're going to talk about, but you know, you've been a lawyer to where you are now, you know, the transition must've been so cool. And I would love for, to even just dive right into that. Like, first of all, um, you're originally, where are you originally from? Yeah. So originally I'm from Venezuela. I'm Latino, although I know that my accent already kind of gave me away. Uh, so uh, born and raised in Caracas, Venezuela. Uh, and then I moved to Canada. I've been here in Montreal for the past 10 years. Although I did live in your city. I lived in Vancouver for a while and mm. I loved it out there. Uh, hopefully one day I'll move back there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so my 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 origins are, are in Venezuela and that's where I studied law. So the the switch like between law and what I'm currently doing, which is I like you said, I own a film production company and I'm a, I'm a screenwriter as well. Um, it's kind of like interesting to a lot of people because it seems to be so distant from each other you know being a lawyer and then being like a creative writer and having a film production company but it's not that uh it's not that distant so i'll explain a little bit so when i started practicing law i did it in venezuela and i practiced corporate law and criminal law and i was very young like right out of law school i think i was around 21 or 22 and I immediately landed my first job and I started practicing and I noticed that, you know, in theory, I love the law, but what I actually encounter in the workplace and just in general in the justice system, I didn't really like it was, um, I mean, it pains me to say it, but I don't think it's unique to my country, but it was very uh, corrupt and there was a way to play the game that uh, I wasn't necessarily liking and I didn't want to subscribe and again me being so young I realized like hey you know what I, I still have other potential growth path I don't just have to follow this and you know become something that I don't want to become and that's when I made the initial decision to come to Canada and study my second career which was film and and then from film all I needed to do was figure out which department in the film industry I really wanted to excel at. And I found that in screenwriting, that just writing, telling stories in general, I have a deep passion for it. I hope that that answered your yeah. question. I, I gave you more than what you Yeah, no, I love it. 
And that's what I was thinking too. I was just kind of like, just before we were, again, we were talking about, but I, I, that's what came to my mind too. Like the writing aspect of being a lawyer is insane, right? I, I come from a family of lawyers and judges and I, I, you know, majority of their passion came from learning and creating and telling a story, right? Because you really have to be able to paint a picture, especially in the courtroom, I'm assuming, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Are there like, when you think about, you know, legal drama versus film drama, like what are like the biggest similarities that you see happen? Like what, what, like overlap kind of thing? Oh, that's so interesting. Um, you know, a lot of what we see in, uh, in films and TV, obviously it's just for show and it's like to move the narrative forward and the plot Aww. forward. No, <laughs> but no, but hold on. But, 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 but there is, depending obviously on the show or the movie, there's a lot of truth to it. Um, if, you know, if the writers do a right job, then they're portraying uh, the the letter of the law in the way that it's intended, not just for the sake of the show. Uh, but one thing, like to your point, that I think has helped me in my the stage of my career right now is that mm-hmm. when I look back uh, when I was practicing law and even in law school, we were taught and I was trained to... Uh, learn how to build strong arguments right and it has to make sense so practicing law is you know you're not a a rocket scientist or a mathematician that everything relies on specific very accurate formulas that you can't really argue against you know it's just a a mathematical language it is what it is you know Uh, in law there are ways uh, obviously as long as you're playing fair and you're respecting law there are ways where you can build your cases in a very creative way when you can uh, take the pieces that are in front of you and, and just build your arguments. And I find that so helpful when I'm writing my stories right now, whether yeah. they're fiction or nonfiction, it just, it expands the scope of what you can imagine, of, of what you can build in order to make yeah. your case. It's just, uh, it's a very cool tool to have, you know, in your toolbox. Well, that was I would say. Like my next kind of segue was like, how you like how has your legal background ever, you know, really come in handy in unexpected ways? And you just kind of answered that, like running a production company and running and writing a story. You really, I, I bet your legal, as you mentioned, like your legal understanding of like having to make sure all clauses have are covered and all like the contingencies and all everything. So you probably have like a crazy elaborate story compared. Not saying any other writer is not a strong writer, but you know, you just see things differently, right? Because you're always thinking of the what ifs or what what if they ask this, right? So that's interesting. Yeah, in, in it, is, it is a, oh, no. a, like a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing <laughs> that we just said, but it's also a curse because then um, it makes me really think, perhaps even overthink about certain parts of the story that maybe another writer with a different background wouldn't necessarily stop and and consider but I do and then it it, you know it naturally takes me Melissa to aspects of my story like that are more on the legal side of things whether or not my story was going there I kind of I kind of explore that like okay what are the consequences here if this character does this or does that (laughs) you know I just at one point I just learned to go with it and just to like explore where that scene is taking me where that pace is taking me rather than to run away from it you know like a lot Mm -hmm. of people know uh, the same but like you write what you know so at some points I just 
I just let it happen in the story and I see, okay, can I use this or can I not use it? But at least I have those scenarios already like pictured and established in my mind. And then I, I choose to explore them or not. Yeah. Well, question, which process do you think is more nerve wracking? Delivering a closing argument or making the final edits on a film? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, well, OK, so so it depends because. The truth about, especially like when I did, when I practiced court, um, criminal law is that the stakes are so high. Yes, mm -hmm. for you as a lawyer, you know, obviously you want to advance in your career and you want to make a good impression in your law firm and all of that is true. But the stakes are even higher for the actual client that's there, you know, that is potentially going to jail for 20 years, even if they're innocent, you know, uh, which uh, obviously every criminal lawyer would say that, oh, yeah, all my clients are oh. innocent. But but regardless regardless of that the the point that I'm making is that it's so difficult to be standing next to a human being whose life it's literally at stake. Oh, they, I couldn't like, do it. Life, in the next ten minutes, it's gonna either fall apart or it's gonna come back together, and it's most likely gonna be based on how good you are at your job. So I would say that definitely that part is way more nerve wracking because the consequences. Yeah are just it they at least they feel more real in the moment they're like of course. Oh yeah if i mess up here somebody can pay like a really high price for it you know yeah absolutely and again my heart goes out to all the lawyers and um, dedication that goes behind and i think you know you're really doing it for the people and their power you know i, I couldn't imagine my grandfather was a national judge in north all of north america he was humongously i guess not famous as only in Canada, but he was well known and yeah, he put a lot of people away. And it's also a lot, you know, it's 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 crazy. So yeah. let's kind of dive into where the coming like what what did, did you go into the change thinking that this Kensho pictures was gonna happen? Like or did you just kind of go with the flow as you mentioned, you know, you have a little bit it seems like you did you know, you were a loyal lawyer and then you did plus 58 and then you were a writer. So, but you're still a writer, of course. But where, where did, like, tell me, tell us an inspiration. Yeah. So, you know, Kensho was born also indirectly because of my legal background. And here's why. When, when you're in law school, you, you don't just become a good lawyer. You kind of have to learn how the whole society is structured, right? That's like what good lawyers are like they they read uh the cities that we live in the 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 rules uh the costumes everything and one of the things that i learned uh in my journey as a writer now like after i started film here in canada and all of that is that it was a better path for me uh personally you know financially um career wise to have my own film production company it just puts me in a I wouldn't say like a higher level, just on a different perspective when it comes to approaching projects that I want to get done. So, mm -hmm. for example, if I'm talking to a an interested co-producing partner or an interested investor, it is far better for me and I have more leverage as the owner of a film production company uh, to get to get these deals made that if I, I was just a screenwriter that is just hopeful that one day my spec script is gonna sell. It just, it's not as empowering because 
um, what happens is that a lot of doors and opportunities uh, open up for me um, as the founder of a company. It's just like the entrepreneurial side of things just allows you to connect and to strengthen your network with uh, individuals that can bring a lot of value as opposed yeah. to if I was just a writer hoping that either an agent picks me up or uh, you know, a studio somehow, you know, comes across my movie and they're like, okay, that's what we want. It's just not, I mean, and that's just my experience, but it's not as empowering. 100%. And I think that's, you know, that's such a good way to look at it. And how, like, tell us what the, was it, did it, I always ask this question business owners only because if I really want to know. And again, this is a, hopefully this is an okay question, but when you started it though, where you're just kind of like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Or did you like preset things? I've been told by a lot of people, you just have to go with the flow, right? Like yeah. as much as you have, as you can plan as much as you can. There's going to be things you just don't know. And you just have to really lean into it and be like, okay, fake it till you make it. Or did you have, since you became a lawyer and being so organized and like, you know, that was a lot yeah. of things like, was it a hard transition to have less control? Um, so I don't necessarily go with the fake it until you make it, but, and it wasn't a hard transition. Again, like being a lawyer and being a criminal lawyer, you go through experiences that are so just like straight up visceral, you know, emotionally <laughs> and like work-wise, it's just so real. Every day at your work, like real things are happening in the world. Like there was an accident, somebody is to blame for that. There was a victim, you know, lives might have been lost or like millions of dollars in damages, things like that. That when I'm on this side, I realize that as, as uh, challenging as it is to be a founder in this day and age, you know, there are, the opportunities are there, but also the competition is like, you know, a million times uh today than it, what it was, I don't know, 10, 20, 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. So, so it, it, I don't know, like, I feel like my background helped me with the transition. And then once yeah. I'm here, again, it's not fake it till you make it. It's more like I'm big on awareness, just trying to be as self-aware as possible. Where are my strengths and where are my weaknesses? And just be super honest with yourself so yes yourself down when you don't know any when you don't know anything about something or or like think that you're the man because you happen to know something about a specific subject but rather stay calm stay in the middle lane and understand that there are certain areas where you can provide a lot of value and there are other areas where it might be more beneficial for you to find a partner or to just have a mentor uh so there are ways to navigate this world where you don't make it it's already challenging, so you don't make it even harder for yourself. And yeah. and then, you know, it, it is in a way a learning process. Like every single day that I show up for work, I'm like, oh, my God, that's so cool that I learned. You know, in the past six months, I've learned so much about, I don't know, venture capital firms. But then <laughs> today I had a meeting with a, a, a an investor and then he raised, you know, three, four new problems. So I'm like, oh, my God, I never thought of that. So it's all a give and take of like, this is what I know, this is what I don't know. And just yeah. let me tackle the problem at hand rather than be overwhelmed by the immensity of it all, you know? Totally. And I think that's, you know, to, to have an open heart and open mind, especially when it comes to learning is so key. I think, you know, you can't go in saying, oh, I know this and that, like, because then you just, you lose track of 
and you, you lose out opportunities, right? You know, yeah. you really got to lean in and that's the best thing I love. I, I, you know, I want my next kind of segue was, you know, you're not, you know, you're from Venezuela, you, you know, you want to, you came to Canada, like what a cool way for you to bring stuff, uh, topics and ideas from different areas, right? That's why I think diversity is so important too, yeah. because maybe you don't, because that's how everyone learns, like can see the world in a different way, right? And yeah. which makes the story better. So how many, are you guys a fully remote company? Like what's your, are you guys contracts? What, tell us a little bit about the ins and outs of it and like the goal, where you yeah. see it going. Yeah, so right now it's mostly remote. Uh, we do have a, an office in a, an area of Montreal that's called the Old Port. Uh, but, you know, most of the transactions, deals, meetings, et cetera, they happen remotely, partially okay. because, uh, and, and okay, this is because of a move that, that I made that kind of like expanded the scope of my company. But so I went to the Cannes Film Festival this year, 2023, and I met so many people that have now become either partners or potential partners in the future, but they're all over the world because as you know, Cannes is so you yeah. know famous that everybody goes there. And when I say everybody, it's like literally from all continents. So now I have meetings, you know, very early in the morning uh, with people in Europe and then very late in my day with people in California. And then I have to like kind of like be all over the globe so it, it yeah. does help that uh in this day and age you know it's so easy to to run a company remotely but yeah. you do have to say uh again i don't know if this works for everybody but it applies to me uh yeah. i love to uh not just close deals in person but just to uh, meet people actually face to face i'm big oh. on like, communication just face to face just learning how that person operates like even if it's an investor you know it Sometimes when you flip the table and you're asking investors, why are they interested uh, in your venture? Why why would they come in and what's the value that they would add? I love to get to know the person behind it rather than just, okay, send me your, you know, your CV or like, I'm just going to run some numbers and see if it makes sense. I love that, that connection that you could create with somebody because at the end of the day, whether it's an investor or a co-producer or an actor that I find, it's kind of like a marriage that I'm going to have with that person. You know, whether it's for a year, two years, 10 years, it is going to be something that's going to potentially add value and it's going to be symbiotic for the both of us. So I love to be in person for certain things. So uh, for that, you know, either they travel, I travel, but that's the, uh, the idea balance. Yeah, no. And I think that is so funny you say that because even you know i just it's so to get someone's energy you can try your best to get someone's energy over line on the line some people are easier than others but like being in person that going back to the like we're, we are kind of doing a 180 going back into networking events and events in general because i think people crave what you just mentioned like it's a marriage when you invest and work together it's not just you know some of your cv you got to feel them especially when you have that such a creative um company well that's great that's awesome mm -hmm. and um yeah that's super cool that you went to Keynes. how was it this year was it good was it bit like where was it where was it held well where was it held again so okay so Can't so for come. the Cannes film festival uh so that happens you know every year it happens in, in Cannes and the south of france and it's uh one of the four big big festivals in in the world like film festivals obviously there are hundreds and this is not to say that the ones out of the four that i'm going to mention are not 
good. These are just like got to <laughs> have, you know, the 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 most uh, prestige I would say in reputation and all of that. So it's the the Cannes Film Festival in the south of France, then uh, the Venice Film Festival in Italy, the Berlin one in Germany, and then we have one here in Canada, the Toronto International Film Festival. Okay. So as a as a young film production company, it was my aim and it, it still is of course to uh create a presence and strong presence in in these venues you know it's just where everybody in my industry goes to connect and and they're either buying or selling something that you have so it's uh it's a very cool place this year was was amazing it was my first experience at Cannes, and honestly it was one of the best uh not just uh work-wise like personally too like you you get to be there with the best of the best so you mm -hmm you you go there and you get so recharged and inspired to continue your journey because you see all these people that you have admired you know for years and years and they have yeah. done great things and then that it's kind of contagious you know that energy is contagious and you want to emulate them and you want to be like okay if they could do it i could do it but what did what did it take for them to get to that level so that i can be there whether it's in a year or 10 years or whatever but but it allows you to have in a space where you just you create this almost like organic connections that push you forward where wherever you are in your career I would like highly recommend it. it doesn't have to be can you know it could be your local film festival but you have to position yourself uh to just strengthen your network that's super important but also to always be inspired to continue your work oh yeah and I think you just nailed it on the the thing like the dynamic landscape of like entrepreneurship right it takes energy and network right as the, the two pillars yeah. that fuel what you mentioned inspiration and like what like the energy that you know i always say this to people a lot even you know when doing recruitment talking to people that are looking for jobs talking to people that got laid off whatever talking to people that are in the transition you know energy alone does not thrive in isolation it actually finds like it's true resident like when it's intertwined with you know a network a network that yeah. you're kind of moving into right like if, even if like other lawyers out there looking to get out of it you know getting going out and networking with people in the industry you know and as simple as everyone's like well i don't know it's a like collaboration is so key for that right because yeah. it gives you a new perspective absolutely um, yeah that that's a that's a word i was about to use it, it's all about um the new perspectives that you can absorb right so always yeah. of course you you gotta know exactly where you're going and your goals and your ambitions and always be truthful to those but with that being said, you always have to remain open to other people's ideas and perspectives because they might know something that you don't. So you don't ever want to operate at a level where, again, going back to what we were saying before, where you think you know everything. So mm -hmm. going to these places and, and networking is so key for that. Honestly, I had conversations with uh, industry professionals that are already established that to be honest i had no business being in the same room with them let alone <laughs> on the same table but but because but but again back to what you were saying about energy energy alone got me through the door meaning like they liked my pitch they liked what i was talking about they like my movies all of that but then with that i don't i don't do anything i don't make a movie just with like oh that guy is cool or i like his projects or i like the way that he talks then it's like how can i how can I make more meaningful connections? And then and then with that networking, then what you try to do is exchange value. So if you're not at the same level, let's say, 
financially, then, okay, then how can I add value to this person or this organization? Is it with my movies right now? Is it perhaps with my own networking and how I can connect them, you know, in Montreal, for example, if they're ever in need of a production company, it might not be mine, but it might be somebody else. But you're always trying to, at least that's what I do. That's how I operate. It's kind of like a give and take. So if this person that I met in can added an X value into my life, uh, work-wise, then how can I reciprocate that? And, you know, so back to your point, I think it is a combination of both energy and then networking to to further expand that energy so that you can see the results. Absolutely. You know, I think that's so important. And it's funny, I, I'm, I think we talked about this before, you know, as someone who teaches to yoga and, you know, just the energy to the networking there is just, people just want to be heard and respected. And that's really all it comes down to. That's my, that's my kind of way I look at life and people, right? Yeah. Um, before we go, obviously my favorite question to ask, because I really hope listeners hear your story. I think it's one of my favorite stories I've heard so far. Um, just because you followed, it seems like that's a big transition. You followed your heart, right? But could you give like, or share a final piece of advice or uh, anything that you can give to listeners that maybe are in the transition, not maybe not just to learn to entertainment, but anything, you know, if you're feeling a little bit shy of it, anything that kind of gave you the final push to make the move. Absolutely. So I, I would love to, to uh, give two different pieces of advice. So the first one is about the immigration journey. And then the second one is more about how to get things done uh, work-wise. So about the immigration journey, I would just like to say, and maybe you don't have to be an immigrant yourself to apply what I'm about to say, but you know, per perhaps like it works better for immigrants. It's just that wherever you go, if you're, if you're leaving your family behind and your life behind and you know, pretty much everything that you know, to build a new life elsewhere, know that you're a rock star and that's a really bold move and that takes a lot of courage and always remember that and always remember your value because in the new society and the new country in the new city that you're going to be living in they don't know you right so like you you might have to start from scratch from zero like doing jobs that you don't like or doing this that might not be the same as your old life but always know that the your true value you carry it within you so you just have to figure out a way to deploy that in your in your new life and in your new country and when you do that that society is going to welcome you and then you're going to be able to build that new life that you always wanted for yourself so mm -hmm. just remember your your self-worth is is always key um so that you don't think that you're better than others but also you don't put yourself down just because i don't know you might look different sound different this or that i understand that and it's super clear to me now but, you know, when you're in your early 20s uh, or, you know, at a young age, maybe you don't know that. So it's a good reminder. Um, and then the second piece of advice, uh, and I actually learned it this year at can, is that, yeah, sometimes, you know, connections, uh, uh, you know, strong last names, power, all of that. Yeah, it might help some people advance in life in certain industries or whatnot. But one thing that I learned is that, you can also create that for yourself. You don't have to wait until the right door opens for you automatically. You can sometimes just walk through the door and as long as you're respectful and, and authentic, authentic is perhaps the most important and you know your stuff, you know what you're talking about, like you can rest assured that people will listen to you and new opportunities are gonna come your way. So you don't have to feel uh, 
perhaps defeated if you don't if you don't feel like you have the right connections to make something happen you can still do it uh by yourself oh right on i absolutely love both of those advice you know because again like you're so you're so right about it like i you know making that move and changing changing scenery and you know culture and even social cues, whatever it is, it's just, it's such a brave thing to do. And, you know, I love that advice and I love the other one too, but you've actually been such a wonderful guest. I love that everything you've mentioned. Thank you so much for gracing us with your insights and wisdom um, to the listeners out there, please. Uh, I will be sending out uh, you know, links to Octavio's profile and company and please take a share and let's just give him all the love and support because we are here and we have your back. And we hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as we've had recording it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Lisa. It's, it's truly a pleasure. And I hope uh, you'll have me again in the future. Oh, of course. I'll definitely be after you again. <laughs> All right. Okay. Have a good one. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Hello, folks. Thank you so much for listening to the amazing podcast with our favorite favorite Octavio Trillos. Um, cool thing is I have attached his link to his crime novel, The Cost of Silence. Let's check it out on Amazon. It was uh, pretty intense, but a great read. Again, anyone that is willing to take some time, please read the book. Octavio is a beautiful writer. It's, you know, one of the best one of the best novels I've read in 2023. So the link is in the bio alongside with his uh, page. Check it out and please listen again next week. Cheers. Cheers.